Hello everyone. Welcome to Sick Tools podcast by Infosec Campus. This is episode number 41. I'm your host Sanup Thomas. Today we have a team of great people uh and talking about an amazing project called Unblob. Uh we have Leslo, Marton, Quintin and Florian. Uh welcome to the show guys. Hi. Thanks Hello. for having us. Awesome. To just get started with the project unblob first of all i've seen the bits and pieces of it i've not used it myself but it seems to be like an amazing project um why did you started unblob project who wants to take this one <laughs> i'll answer <laughs> so um yeah we we all work at uh, one key and we do like um automated firmware security analysis and the first step of this um analysis is the extraction um lots of people are uploading um firmwares to the platform and all of those firmwares are of arbitrary formats they're not using the same uh, same standards or the same um yeah the same the same formats um initially we were relying on binwalk which has been like the de facto standard industry standard for extraction uh, so far but it was limiting in different ways um the fact that it was looking for other things than um compression or archive or file systems um uh, in in the analyzed files the fact that it was somehow too slow for usage um and some some other things that we we were planning on on fixing um so the idea came from one of our ex colleague takeshi who came up with the idea of scanning a file using uh pattern engine initially we he wanted to use yara um and so finding chunks of information within the firmware uh using the, this pattern matching library um carve out those chunks and then applying custom extractor tool bit third parties or um ones that we we showed um ourselves that's pretty much the um how unblob came up as a as a project That's cool. Um when you try to solve a problem at work and made it as an open source uh, project uh, also for the community you are actually like uh, solving two problems here like giving something for the community as well and also you're solving your your own work desk problem. Maybe I'll I'll take the next question to Leslo the the, the head of security <laughs> research team. Uh Leslo um from the one key team when you are actually solving IoT or rather firmware analysis things um, you must be dealing with a lot of IoT firmware formats and one thing that i liked uh, specifically about um, unblock project is it's actually covering over 30 plus different format um how heavy was the research small correction i am not head of the research team uh-huh. <laughs> that's so i guess the question goes to martin maybe i'm going to the Yeah maybe Quentin Estral can chime in. So the research is is um is different it very much depends on the format. In some cases the format is documented so we just need to go out read the documentation um and and then just work with that. Also the difficulty that some vendors take the uh, specification quite liberally so they sometimes tweak it they do some modifications so you know they maybe change things here and there so it looks like for example like squashfs is is probably the um very typical example where vendors have so many 
uh, forks of it. So uh, we usually, I mean, usually we end up in a, in some hex viewer uh, trying to figure out some bits and pieces if it's not working like that. Also, it's very handy that some vendors also publish some tools um, so we can go and look at the source code, how the actual implementation looks like. So that's also a very heavy part of the research. We are trying to not necessarily reverse engineer the binary itself alone, but looking at source code, that's very helpful. And then there are some cases where it's a proprietary format. So we need to actually look at it, um, trying to find patterns in it. Oh, it looks like a string here. And this is before the string looks like a length. So it's probably the length of that string, or it looks like a big chunk of compressed data. And again, this is the length, or this is an offset. So we're trying to figure out those. We are trying to document it out for ourselves, trying to gather as many samples as we can. Because sometimes you know one one sample can be misleading, and then uh, we just do an implementation. Um, we are very happy if there are some tools. We are trying to look at others' research um, if they already did it and and build uh, on, on on top of those. It, um, on, I mean, it very much depends on the format. It can take from a few hours to a couple of days. Um, a lot of face palms here and there. So you know, it's it's fun. And um, I'm talking about the, the development part of it, right? I've actually gone through their uh, GitHub page and it looks like all the features are you're very professionally handled there. Um, it's not like a random uh, open source projects that maybe just, just free time cooked project. It looks like you have dedicated time, effort, research and all sweat and blood into it and, and organizing it like very well. Um, what was the plan, especially when you're handling maybe a multiple team of developers uh, contributing to the same project? So, I mean, we are basically a software development company uh, at our heart with, with very heavy research. So basically we just treat it as any of other any other project of us. So we were trying to apply the same standards, both from best practices or quality wise. So everything went through normal planning process or, or quality reviews. Uh, we, I mean, we are probably a type of uh, company where we cannot, you know, do just like halfway <laughs> things. We always wanted to do it very properly. So there were a lot of argument like, now that's, that's good enough. No, 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 we need to make it better. Uh, I think what really helped that, uh, I think we had a, uh, we, we find a very interesting combination of research and development, which was probably a part of, 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 of the success, how we, we developed it. Um, traditionally, what, what I've seen that researchers are much more in a fire and forget mode. They want to create a script that helps them at a point, while developers are thinking much more on, on like sustainability, the basically the craft uh, of, of, of creating something. And, and we were able to take some of the proof of concept and turn it into a, a well-architectured things where uh, one of the goals was to make it sure that it's easy to develop and easy to add a new format. So we put, uh, I would say, like a significant time uh, and, and effort into making sure that the architecture is created in a way that adding a new handler, basically a new format support or extracting a, a new, it's, it's super, super easy. Uh, we also created a, a um, fairly extensive test framework so if we break something, we can easily identify. It's very easy to add a new test case as well, which again, on the long-term helps quality um, significantly. So I think the combination of these two were, were a key factor, but uh, maybe Laszlo uh, would yeah. also have something to add. Yeah, to, uh, to it, at the end of the day, it has to run in production in our software platform as well. So it sets 
the standard at, at one level at least. And also, I guess we also wanted to be a, a bit even better than our internal standards because we want to be presented for the community and it shouldn't be only available for us developers and researchers in the company, but it should be something that's understandable and usable for others who have no, no in-depth experience in developing and working with these kinds of tools as well. And it also helped, I guess, that we have a fairly knowledgeable research team inside the company and we wanted to target researchers in general as an audience for this project. So we could have very good and fruitful discussions internally on, hey, is this approach usable to you? How, how do you like this project to be developed further? What would help you in your uh, daily working, for example, developing for a new extraction format? And I guess that kind of communication is key. And also, also we wanted to be very open for potential uh, future com uh, contributors and approachable for future contributors as well. And also ourselves want to keep this project uh, and be make it extensible in the long term as well. That's cool to hear because that's something that ideally or in, in, in largely the security people actually lack because we just cook something and just push it on GitHub. And then we want to modify something in trying to just keep like put the code down and then unwrap the whole thing and then rewrite the whole damn thing. <laughs> so you're keeping it like... That's, that's also why why we developed it. So at the moment, in terms of firmware extraction, everyone from um, independent researchers to companies, whenever they're faced with a new firmware format, they will write their, a new tool, a new dedicated script, and they will rewrite a bunch of functions, be it for... Uh, CRC checking, entropy calculation, size calculation, they, they rewrite the whole thing every time. Um, it's in different languages and it's like distributed all over GitHub. Uh, there is no index of, um, okay, this, this script over there can support this format or this firmware. So the idea with Unbob is also to create something similar to Metasploit. And instead of having like a repository of exploits, it would be a repository of uh, firmware format handlers and, and extractors. So all the heavy lifting is done by Unblob. You have uh, all of all the utility functions that you need, and you just need to like define What's the what's the header used by the format? What's the um, magic pattern we should look for, and what's the extractor that should be used? So, it's 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 really easy for people to contribute, and that's what I'm I'm really I really see Unblob as the metasploit of like firmware extraction. Yeah, that's a good way to see about it. I think um, um, the 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 creators of metasploit create like they they just created like a a trend of developing security tools uh, in general um, and was adopted by many other tools out there. But it's a very successful approach um, and creating like a core engine and make it more modular and scalable because security is changing and the IoT firmware industry or rather the uh, research industries are also kind of fluctuating right now. Or is it fluctuating right now? Because I'm not the expert, you guys are the expert. Uh, what is the current scenario in uh, IoT security right now? Is it still the same 
when you approach a vendor to patch something or report a security issues they still ignore your emails or you they, you get responses now it depends <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's it was the um it's uh it's all over so it it can dif- the difference is is from either they will um um not read our emails or they don't have any um personally charged to to read them they don't have open security contacts uh, uh there's no security policy in place to um the latest contact uh, we had was uh, i think we published advisory was with uh, festo it's a uh, industrial controllers uh manufacturer uh and they had a really clear security policy page with uh, pgp keys smm keys uh uh step by step guide on how they would handle the report uh, as soon as they got the report they acknowledged it uh they sent it to their development team they also got in touch with um dedicated cert for um industrial controllers um uh, and ICS uh so this was so far the best experience with vendors um as far as my um disclosures um at at one key Uh, but yeah it's it's different i i won't name the vendors that uh, don't reply but <laughs> those who are listening yeah. to it and have done enough it's, work in 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 general i think it's getting better oh, from like can, 10 years ago uh, it's improving yeah that's that's good to hear uh, at least the guys who are listening to the podcast already know which companies are not responding <laughs> <laughs> uh great um regarding one key's effort in um uh, providing you time resources to develop something um what do you want to say about it like how maybe other companies can also contribute in projects like that what's your what's your process or or thought process in general so uh maybe i would take this and then others can chime in um so uh, as lachi was saying uh, earlier um amblob is something we are using internally so basically it's a it's a two way um investment for us obviously we are investing it for our own um uh purpose because we are using it uh but also we are um investing time uh and we strongly believe that like giving back to the community is very important you are also using a lot of open source tools um in our daily job or even in our product and um we believe that the the whole ecosystem or this this whole open source uh, system only works if you are also giving back Also there is a a selfish reason uh for open sourcing it uh that uh, we believe that a tool gets better once it has more users. So basically crossing from just a bunch of um source code files on GitHub to a product requires users and and requires like real life testing. Just to give you an example um before we open sourced it or really announced uh Amblob uh we we were using for for a few months is uh internally and within the product so we want to make sure that uh, there are real firmwares uh real extractions happening so it it really helps tackle uh tackle down all those small bugs but so it's important especially with the file formats uh, I, i was just uh, explaining earlier that there are some caveats here and there and and even if we are very thorough and there will be always some some um uh, uh surprises in in the formats or in the firmware not just because we did a bad job but because maybe vendors were again uh trying to do it in a different way so we believe that actually like 
contributing uh, into an open source project or creating an open source project and, and letting people use it. And then uh, we are hoping that there will be some contributions. So they will pick up maybe a format or maybe they will add a feature or maybe they will fix a bug. That's also helping us uh, as, a pro, as, a, as a company uh, on, the, on, the, on the long run. So I think it's a back and forth. We were also very happy. Basically, the day we announced it, uh, we had the first few bug reports. And I think bug reports are a clear uh, evidence that people actually started to use it. And um, we are trying to invest time into uh, answering those questions or addressing those bug reports. So we want to make sure that this is a tool that actually easy to use and, and efficient to use. So it's, it's, it's investment, but we believe on the long run, um, it, it's beneficial for us because uh, we will have a tool that we can use in the knowledge. Well said, very well said, Martin. Um, I like what uh, Leslo mentioned earlier, uh, just re recoding his statement. We made a tool for production. <laughs> like, of course, you need uh, consumers or other users to uh, run those tools on maybe on their, their, their daily work and then give you feedback. Um, and talking about feedback, um, congrats for the whole team for presenting in Blackhead and Defcon. Um, what was your takeaway from that? Like for building a tool, making it available for public is one one part of the job. The other part of the job is basically making awareness to the community. And, and conferences actually gives you that platform. And I'm sure that uh, Blackhead and Defcon was a great platform for that. What was your experience from there? Did you get any feedback? Anyone want to share that, Quintin? Sure. Um, I'll answer unless Flotion you want to chime in. <laughs> um, so this was a great experience. So we we presented at Black Hat Arsenal and Defcon Demo Labs. So they're basically uh, presentation, but for tools um, only, uh, tools and scripts and projects. Um, the feedback was really good. Um, at, at DevCon, we had really people like queuing up to to attend the presentation. Um, we we did some noise on social media and Twitter explaining what was the project, what was the purpose, and that we were uh, presenting at, at Demo Labs. Um, the 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 feedback was really good. Uh, most feedback we got was um, uh, that uh, finally something something to um, to use instead of pinwalk so we think that the general like security um, all the security analysts and reverse engineers who were using pinwalk so far uh, um, faced the same the same problems and issues that that we we had at um, at, at one key um, and all of the questions for Basically related to how how do we compare to to Binwalk? Um, how fast are we? How, how, how many formats do we support? Uh, what's the um, and basically what's our plan with the development uh, over the next like six to six months to to a year? Um, but yeah, overall, really good feedback. Uh, people tried it. Uh, it it worked. Uh, most of the time, uh, we don't support ARM ARM platform, so that was uh, one of the um, one of our bug reports. Uh, but we're working on this. Uh, but yeah, overall, really really great feedback from from the attendees at both um, DevCon and and Black Hat. Cool. Uh, and, and one and one of the the, the great opportunities also at such. Um, uh, at such conferences is to to have open discussions to to widen the, the horizon so we had uh, discussions also with uh, with um, 
yeah, in interested parties to apply Unblock beyond um, IoT firmware analysis. So there were uh, discussions around uh, forensics uh, to also support uh, popular forensic formats. Um, so we've, we've learned that, that that's a, a big pain uh, as well. Or we had uh, one uh, one colleague approaching us uh, to to unpack uh, old Nintendo games um, to to add support for that. Um, so uh, this this was also very interesting to to learn like uh, different uh, viewpoints, um, new perspectives uh, on things. So so this is super valuable uh, to us and a great learning also from Black Hat and Defcon. <laughs> That's cool to hear. Even in uh, heavy rain and flood, uh, people in Vegas still think. <laughs> cool. Definitely um, is. <laughs> awesome. Um, so uh, before we um, wrap up, I just wanted to have a quick word from you guys uh, for people who wanted to get into uh, IoT research um, or open source development or in InfoSec in general, what's your take? Maybe you can share your experience, how you get into InfoSec and what actually made you stay back for a longer period of time and started contributing back to the community. Want to go first, Leslo? Sure. So I guess entering uh, in the open source space, it can be a bit uh, hard for anyone who has never contributed before to open source software. Uh, also, if it's more of a niche area, for example, InfoSec or any kind of uh, not so mainstream um, projects in general, it can be a bit daunting experience. But I guess the what helps first is to just do your own stuff in the open. And maybe, I don't know, tweet about it or, or just speak to your colleagues, friends who are, have the same in, uh, interests, have some uh, communication channels with people who, are sh who has shared interest with you and just share what you have. You don't really need to be a professional developer to be a contributor. And for example, just fixing issues with the documentations, clarifying things here and there. And also in general, just asking questions and helping the uh, project's maintainer to better understand the needs of, of their users is very helpful in the, in, from the community's perspective. So it not necessarily uh, needs to be a, a software development kind of contribution or uh, any in-depth stuff like that, but just being present in the discussion and being available and approachable with, with the stuff you you know about and, and share that information is, is very helpful from one point of view and also from the uh, from the person's point of view who is uh, trying to be present in that space it's it's rewarding to have this kind of experience and just to gather more courage and uh, at the end of the day they may be able to actually take that necessary step okay i have this idea and let's roll with it and then craft something new and be available it, make it available for the community maybe just to to build on what lots was saying i think every developer at the end of the day we, we love to create something 
And uh, it's it's one thing that we, we create something, but it's also an awesome feeling when someone is actually using. And what I've seen, especially with like, if you work on some closed source uh, project or you're working on something, developers are sometimes very far from the actual user. Um, they don't have direct contact. They are project manager, product managers, sales, marketing, whoever between those two. I think one of the amazing things with open source that the that gap is is very much closed. If you are an open source developer working in an open source project or even just contributing to it, you have a very direct contact. At platforms like GitHub or, or or social media or any any other platform which is used by open source brings really the users and the developers very, very close. You, you get the immediate feedback and it's it's amazing to say when, or amazing to see when someone says that, hey, I, I was using your product, it's it's so cool. And you can actually see that someone is, is using. So I think this this is an, uh, a great feeling with, with any any open source. Uh, as for, for the security part, um, I can speak for myself. Um, I love solving puzzles, like playing chess or you know anything. And I think security is, is very similar to that. There, there is always, well, not always, but in most of the case, there is some solutions and you just need to figure out. So it's it's a for me, it's a brain teaser that you need to 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 do it. And um, when it works out, you know, you 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 manage to reverse engineer a format or you find a, a security product a problem. That, that's a really great feeling, especially for like a vulnerability. I, I, that's what I like that at that point, it's you, you find something that others people haven't thought about it. And maybe at that point, you are you are the only person uh, who knows about that problem. It's, you know, like it's discovering uh, something. So the, the feeling of discovery that you were there first and then um, you can, you can um, you know, let the vendor know in case of a vulnerability, they can fix it. So also there is a feeling that now you just made that small, maybe small piece of software better and, and more secure. Yeah, I would, I would speak from the perspective of uh, vulnerability researcher and exploit, exploit writer. Um, I think there are lots of um, really, really cool and important resources online at the moment. If you want to move into embedded devices security and IoT in general, um, from the top of my head, I would mention um, the uh, Azizia's blog and labs, uh, lots of really great resources on ARM, ARM exploitation and exploit, exploit development there. Um, if you have, um, if you can attend Somil Shah's um, IoT exploits uh, laboratory, uh, do it, it's really cool. Um, and the, the, like the, the, the um, previously, like five years ago, you would, you would have needed to buy a bunch of devices to, to try your exploit or like get good at, um, at vulnerability research. At the moment you have lots of cool, um, elim emulators like, uh, arm X, which recently got renamed to emu, emu X, which is this arm and MIPS emulator based on QMU where you can emulate, uh, Cisco routers, TP-Link routers, some DVR, some IP cameras and test, uh, well, test exploits, um, write them, see and debug them, see how they, how they work. So lots of really cool, um, resources online, just have to, to find them. Um, but yeah, Azizia's blog, um, anything posted on NetSec, it will, it will help you get there. And in terms of open source contributions, I guess that if you find um, 
a cool vulnerability, try writing a Metasploit module. It's a really cool experience. Um, the, um, the people behind it at Rapid7 um, are great uh, when, when you do, when they do review your um, pull requests, they, they really, they help you get better and uh, explain things to you um, so that your module will, uh, will actually be used and merge into, into Metasploit. Awesome. Finally, Florian, your words of wisdom. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, to, um, that, that there has been said uh, a lot of, uh, a lot already. Um, my, my tip would be uh, remain interested and be curious. Uh, so there's uh, always something new to learn, uh, something new to discover. Um, so remaining open for that, um, I think that's the, the most important um, skill uh, to be successful in InfoSec. Awesome. Thanks, folks. Uh, this is great talking to you. And thanks for sharing uh, your experience with uh, Unblob. Uh, and it's, it's great listening to you. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll talk to you in the next one.